0: It's been a minute here since uh, I've recorded an episode of The Brew House, and I realized, you know what, I should probably just get back on the horse here and, and get going and, and, and do an episode. So today, we're going to talk about a few things, um, nothing nothing too in-depth. I mean, there's been a lot that's happened over the time I've been away, you know, like ChatGPT and Microsoft was the IRS hacked, a couple things like that. You know, I just finished watching the movie, uh, ah, you know what, let's just play the intro music and then I'll then I'll say So anyways, I just finished watching the movie uh, Queen Pins, and I didn't know what to expect. It was just on the list, and I thought, you know what, I'll check it out. It's uh, got Vince Vaughn in it, and I'm generally a Vince Vaughn fan, and he makes funny movies, I think. So it didn't have a very high rating, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to work on some things out here at the brew house, and I will watch Queen Pins. And while it makes sense that it had a rating of like 53% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it, you know, it's still an interesting story. What I find the most interesting about it is that it was extremely sensational, even though it says based on true events. And Mitch Hedberg, uh, I believe, has the best joke about this. I'm a huge Mitch Hedberg fan. I, I, I listen to his albums a lot. Uh, just I, I always seem to find something new. But this is what he says about uh, stories based on true events. It says, I like it when a movie is inspired by a true story. That's kind of silly. Hey, Mitch, did you hear the story about the lady who drove her car into the lake with her kids and they all drowned? Yeah, I did. And you know what? That inspires me to write a movie about a gorilla. You never can know in these movies that are based on true stories what's actually true and what's actually false. It's, you know, you're probably not going to watch Queen Pins. And if you are, then you can just shut this off. The the fact that you know she couldn't have a baby, and then she chooses to go to the um, clinic to do artificial insemination, for, and she picks somebody other than her husband, and then the fact that they were so seamlessly got these coupons back to the United States uh, from the from the place in Mexico that made the cards. I don't know. It's it was very sensational movie. I it's a cool story, but I don't know that uh, how much truth there was to it. I believe that. Some aspects of the story happened, but probably not a lot of it. Is it worth a watch? I probably, if if you're doing something else, I think it'd be fine to watch the movie. But anyways, so Microsoft, uh, if it turns out, invests. Uh, money, invested money into a chat GPT. So why is this interesting to me? So I, I find it extremely interesting because I think it could actually be an extreme threat to Google. Now, I think everyone out there should forget the way that we do search now, where you take a few terms, you put them into to Google, you hit enter, and you start to get responses. So if I'm looking for something, say, how to use the Twitter API, I might type in Twitter API JavaScript examples. And I might get the JavaScript library, I might get some examples, all of that. But think of it like this. The new way to search may actually be, hey, Bing. Ooh, that sounds weird. Tell me or give me an example of uh, interacting with Twitter via the API. And there's a code example right in front of you. No web pages to browse, nothing. I have a feeling that Google is sitting back in, in California freaking out about this. Now, To think that Google doesn't have some type of secret backroom AI already built, they probably do. It's just probably not ready to be customer-facing yet. But I think you're going to find that they're going to put an extreme amount of emphasis on getting AI and getting something like ChatGPT, something like OpenAI. Now, keep in mind, I've made my stance pretty clear on this. I am completely against OpenAI and ChatGPT. I think they're stealing from creators. But... As with everything, including schools now, you know they're, they're trying to prevent people from using chat GPT for schools. When I was in school, we didn't, we weren't allowed to use calculators in, in class at all. Uh, it was one of those things where the teacher said, you won't have one of those when you're um, in the real world, when you're you know trying to balance your checkbook or whatever, you're not gonna have a calculator. So you'd need to know how to do it in your head or show the work. Well, now everyone has a phone or some calculator with them close by so they had to change the way that they taught. And I think that that's what we're going to have to do with ChatGPT, that's what we're going to have to do with OpenAI. The fact of the matter is is that it passed the bar. It passed the medical exam. ChatGPT has the answers. And we have to we have to be ready for the next generation to know how to use it to to embrace it and to um, use it in in the real world. So the days of Clippy coming up in word and saying, Hey, can I help you? Clippy may actually be resurrected and actually be extremely smart. You could say something to Clippy like, Hey, I'm stuck. Write me a little bit about what Abraham Lincoln when he chopped on the cherry tree. Write me a little bit about that and it'll just write it. It's 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 an amazing technology and, and honestly it's probably coming for all of our jobs eventually. Luckily I'm old enough that it probably won't happen to me, but my kids are gonna have to be Aware that you know, there's this there's this AI thing that will do it cheaper, faster, complain less, take less bathroom breaks, everything else. So it's something to watch, and it's something to to kind of see what Google's going to do. And and you know the the other player who's just kind of been totally silent on this is Apple. Apple's sitting on a war chest of money, and they've been they've said nothing about AI. So is there a secret room at Apple where they're developing an AI and they're just going to drop it on us? It's going to be like Surrey 2.0 where she's your own, a real actual personal assistant that can actually do things for you. I mean, maybe, maybe. So no more of this. Here's the results I found on the web. It's going to be Surrey has the answer. I'm just speculating on that. I can't prove it. So a couple things. Another thing that happened while I was on my break here was um, there were a few tweets about the IRS being hacked and 189 million records being stolen. Now, I can't find much more that's happened since then. But what I do know is that Infinity, who is a Russian hacking group, and Killnet, who is a Belarusian hacking group, posted pictures to Twitter of supposedly stolen IRS data and the back end of the IRS website, irs.gov website. But that's it. There's nothing more that I can that I can know or can talk about. The question is, is even if they hack the website, how could it be that they could get information on customers? Now, I'm not super familiar with the IRS website. I don't use it. I have an accountant and he handles all this stuff for me. So it's possible that you have to log into the IRS IRS website and your data is just right there. And if they did find a bug, they could have hacked it and they could have stole the data. They could have found a way to scrape the data, maybe not even hack the website, just increment some number by one. And then all of a sudden, boom, there you are. You are into the IRS website and back end you can and you can just download the database or scrape the data who knows but the real question is is how connected are these computer systems so if they get into the website of the IRS and there's some records there could they pivot to another machine <laughs> one of the tweets suggested that they did just that however you know sometimes with russian to english translation the things don't come through exactly right and so there there could be speculation that this is completely false but what the what the tweet kind of alluded to was the fact that they had gotten into the IRS website and they're starting to pivot towards military sites. Now, why the IRS website and um, military websites would have any connection, I don't know. In fact, it's sort of one of the things that makes it the most suspicious for me. That I just don't think that the IRS um, that the IRS has like a connection to the military. I just I just really don't. Uh, Hive, the ransomware group that's uh, pretty popular actually has actually been taken down by the at least the United States government and I think a couple of other governments as well, kind of like a joint task effort. My question is is or when you decide to take a hacking group down, you have to do so carefully. So the first day that you notice that maybe that, you're, that a system has been um, compromised and penetrated, your first instinct is to just shut it down. But that's not actually the right answer because if you shut it down, your chance of severing the connection you have with the bad guy is gone. And so the chance of catching that bad guy is probably gone with it. So when they attacked Hive or when they took down Hive's website, odds are that they have more information about the people running Hive. They have information about their whereabouts. Obviously, they knew server locations and all of that. So there's more information I'm guessing to come on the Hive ransomware people, but as of right now they're down. But it doesn't mean they're out. We know that these these ransomware groups pop back up overnight. The source code was not stolen. Certainly somebody has a copy of the Hive source code, and they can throw up another site, fix their bugs, fix their vulnerability that the that the government found, and boom, they're back in business again. So I had an interesting scam the other day person sent me a text message and says, Hey, Peter, uh, we had a good talk yesterday and I really enjoyed it. Well, obviously to me, when I saw that scam come, come in, I was kind of like, okay, what is the, what's, what what is this person trying to do? I'm not Peter, obviously I'm John, but obviously he, he wants me to say, Hey, no, no, this is John. And so I kind of did some little research about what it could potentially be. And it turns out I, Thinking it was a pig, it was it was what's called a pig butchering scam. Now, it may sound awesome, but it actually is not. A pig butchering scam is basically a scam that gets you to have a rapport with uh, the the actual scammer on the other side. So, I might say, "Well, hey, no, this is John," and then the scammer will say, "Oh, sorry. Hey, I was trying to reach Peter. Do you know him?" You'll build up a rapport, and what it actually turns into is a crypto scam. So they get you to, to kind of trust them over time. They get you to invest in this new thing that's making them a lot of money. And they um, send it uh, send you to this website. They let you invest some money. And then they let you pull some out. And then all of a sudden, bam, one day it's just gone. And you're never talking to the person ever again. It's, it's an awful, horrible, terrible scheme. But... That seems to be what, what, it, what it was. Now, what I did was is I pretended like we did have a conversation the previous day. And uh, that got the hacker, the scammer, or whatever, away really quickly because I didn't fall f- directly for the scam. Normally, I would you know, try to do more things to mess with them, but I didn't have the time nor the want to really do any of that. I had another one. Oh, this is a funny one. So I was on a Discord group, I think, for... Um, one of the economy coins, Jackpot, and somebody hit me with a, like a side message. And the side message was, uh, Jackpot coin, by the way, is a coin that lets you, um, gambling coin, just it's jackpot. It's, it's designed for gambling transactions. Fine, whatever, I don't care. So the guy sends me a message and says, hey, you want to make some money? And I'm, of course, I always want to make some money. Uh, he says, come to this website. I'm a moderator of it and watch me. So I go to the website. In fact, I'm laying in bed when he sent this message. I go to this website and he goes, it's some kind of numbers game and you bet Bitcoin or jackpot or whatever it was. And they, he goes, it's going to be 21 or whatever the number was. Sure enough, it was 21. And he goes, now tell me what number to make it. So I told him, I don't know, 43 or 42 or something. Sure enough, the next time, boom it hit 42, 43, whatever the number was. He says, you put some money in and we'll both, and we'll split it 50, 50. You have to lose sometimes, but I'll tell you which times you're going to lose. And I thought, all right, I'm not going to do it, but it's interesting. <laughs> I got one more uh, scam for you. Unfortunately it's after Christmas, so it's not going to, doesn't really, I mean, think it'll still happen, but it's not going to happen as much. So, I was on a Facebook marketplace. I like to watch for any type of um, third gen Camaros that come for sale. It's a, you know, to see what kind of cool stuff's still out there. Saw one the other day, a friend sent me that was 12,000 original miles for $26,000 with T tops Z 28. It was a great car. Anyways, that's not what this is about. The person was selling a gift card. The gift card was originally an $800 gift card or currently was an $800 gift card. They were selling it for $700. So they were selling it at a $100 discount. Now this gift card was for a, a very popular sporting goods, clothing store. And I could, I could sniff the scam right then and there. Like I knew something was up, like what is going on here? So I did a little research and did a little digging and it turns out what people do is, is they, they, they steal something and they return it for a large, for a large amount of money, but instead of taking it in cash, they get it in a gift card. The store doesn't catch that it's stolen. Gift card stays valid. Sell the gift card for $700. The person that stole the product originally gets the $700 or gets the $800 gift card. They turn around, they sell it for $700. Now they're up $700, and the person is using a stolen gift card to buy goods that could be shut off at any time by the sporting goods store. So, of course, I went on Marketplace, and I let it be known that you should not be buying gift cards from some random person on marketplace if you're going to do it use a site like Paxful or something like that where you could really truly buy discounted gift cards that are legit that are backed up I mean I'm sure there's stolen gift cards on there there's stuff like that everywhere but anyways uh I think that it's important that people follow these scams they watch for this stuff they use their heads when when you get a text message or a call never say yep Never say anything like, never say anything in the positive because who knows what they're going to use that information for. But anyways, that's all I really wanted to talk about today. I had some more stuff. like I was going to talk about my trip to Peru and about how Peru, like there is no Bitcoin down in Peru. Uh, they use this thing called YAPE. I think, though, I'll save that for another episode because I think that the that the turn to electronic money Is something that a country like Peru could easily do. I think the problem is actually probably the government regulation. Um, They don't want people using Bitcoin. They want people using the government money. But I I don't really know that. I'm just assuming because, I mean, YAPE is basically like a PayPal or a Venmo. And we were at the market and um, got some passion fruit and some kiwi. And we paid six soles in YAPE. Just person to person. I mean, it was easy. It was just like, like I said, send an a Venmo, but I could see that that could start to kind of turn the tide for people being okay to use just digital money like Bitcoin. Now, I don't think that CBDC, which would be a government-based currency. I don't think that that's a good idea. I think that, you know, the point of Bitcoin is, is you are your own bank. You handle your own monetary assets where CBDC is backed by the government and they can print more CBDC anytime they want, distribute it any, any way they see fit. They can also freeze wallets of any way they see fit, like they can do bank accounts now. So I think it's important that people understand the difference and understand that CBDC and Bitcoin are not the same. Centralized currencies are not the same as Bitcoin. If the government can shut it off, it's not your money not your keys, not your crypto. But we'll talk about Peru another time. We'll talk about, I tried to get to my friend's house in Arequipa, but um, the they, they rioted again at the airport. So I ended up having to spend a couple of days in Lima, which, is, which was fine and he set me up with cool people and we had a good time. But we'll talk about that in another episode where we'll tie in Bitcoin and we'll tie in Yape and we'll talk about all the different stuff that goes on with how they pay money for things down there. So anyways, I'm gonna leave it there I hope everyone has a great Monday.